this week on Growing in Motherhood. I got mastitis. I had to have an abscess drained. And in the hospital, the doctor's like, oh, you can still breastfeed. The devil is a liar. No, I won't. No, I won't. Not with this hole in my boob. You're listening to Growing in Motherhood, the podcast that inspires mamas to grow, where we talk about the real stuff, not just the good stuff, and share all things parenting and motherhood insight. We are first cousins with 10 kids between the four of us, ranging in age from six years to just six months old. Whether you are currently expecting, have kids of your own, or would like to in the future, this show is for you. Let's get started and grow with us. The information in this episode is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your health care provider or a lactation consultant with any questions you may have regarding breastfeeding. Jaren, Joya, Leah, all of our moms and non-moms who are listening, I can't believe it, but this is the last episode of season one. And the topic on the table today is breastfeeding. When I think about breastfeeding, I have a little bit of a bittersweet thought or feeling that comes to mind. When I was in grad school, I remember I had a project that was specifically focused on breastfeeding in the workplace. My classmates and I, we focused on the benefits of breastfeeding, how important this was to promote and to encourage employers to make accommodations for their employees, their moms once they return to work, and those that were wanting to breastfeed to make sure that they had the ability to do that comfortably and to make sure that they didn't feel judged or they didn't feel any type of way about this decision that they had made. And I remember while I was doing that project, y'all, we had, we had t-shirts and everything. Breast is best. And that was like our mantra. And I remember saying to myself at that point, when I have babies, I'm going to breastfeed for the whole year. And like, that's, that's it, period, point blank. I didn't consider the possibility that anything would potentially interfere with that plan in my mind or with that goal. Um, I didn't consider the possibility that Breastfeeding might be difficult. I didn't consider the possibility that for many women, breastfeeding is not an option. So there was a lot that I, I just did not consider. So fast forward to when I became um, a mom, after I gave birth to my first child, I was all ready for this breastfeeding experience. And when I say it was hard, truly that's an understatement. But I had these preconceived notions in my mind that, hey, this is what it's going to be. This is the experience that I'm going to have. And it was so starkly different from what I had in my mind that I wanted us to take a moment to talk about each of our unique experiences with breastfeeding. So I want to just share first some facts about breastfeeding. Breastfeeding is considered to be 
the ideal method for feeding your baby for the first year of life after you give birth. The recommendation by the American Academy of Pediatricians is that mothers exclusively breastfeed uh, until the first six months. And then after that six months, once solid foods are introduced, breastfeeding should continue up until a year or more if mom and baby prefer to do more. Hey, that's great. And then, of course, there are the benefits of breastfeeding. You know, those are numerous. You hear about how breastfeeding supplies infants with immunity. It helps to decrease their incidence of illness while they're infants and even later into life, decreasing the incidence of asthma, of respiratory conditions, of ear infections. And for mom, there are also plenty of benefits even as significant as potentially decreasing the risk of certain types of cancers. There's the bonding that occurs with your baby. So there are so many benefits to breastfeeding, right? However, in the United States, four out of five infants start out breastfeeding, but only one in five are still breastfeeding by six months. So obviously there is something that happens from the point at which, you know, these infants start breastfeeding and six months down the line, they're no longer breastfeeding. And I think that's something that is important for us to consider. What is it that transpires? And I think that with each of us sharing our different experiences, we may be able to see some of the difficulties that do occur and maybe answer that question, you know, why is it that at six months, these babies that started out breastfeeding are not? I want moms to be able to hear this and take away some encouragement. Uh, take away some feeling of community and knowing that you're not alone in this and knowing that your experience is not going to be textbook and that's okay. You know, you may go in with the idea of saying, I want to breastfeed for a whole year and that may not happen and that's okay. So I just want to start with Leah. I know you mentioned that you had a unique experience with breastfeeding and I definitely want to hear your experience. Can you share with us what it was that you had in mind when you started this journey of breastfeeding? What were your goals that you had in mind? Did you plan to breastfeed for a set amount of time? Uh, did you have in mind, okay, at this point, I'm going to go ahead and wean off? And were you able to achieve whatever goals it was that you set for yourself and for your baby? I have twins. So my unique experience was just that, right? So starting out, I needed to be able to supply milk for two growing babies and my twins came early and I had a c-section and in the hospital they were unable to latch and my milk had not come in um, until a few days once I returned home so I got very little lactation support in the hospital um, but once my milk came in um, well, even before my milk came in, I was encouraged to keep pumping, keep pumping, keep pumping. Um, and then even when milk came in, that was kind of how I would exclusively get the milk. But the first initial days of my twin's life, they were basically um, strictly formula. Because at the end of the day, fed is best. And, um, you know, I, I, I had mixed feelings about that because kind of like what you were saying, like, before being a mom and understanding your options for feeding your baby, it's like, well, why would I not want to breastfeed? Um, granted, um, you know, and I like that you mentioned it earlier, not everyone has that option, but I always felt like if it were an option, I would want to opt into that option. Yep, that's the plan. I want to breastfeed. 
Um, and that's that. Like, there was no really alternative for me until it became my reality that I actually needed an alternative. It was really difficult emotionally, physically in that journey very early. Eventually, a few weeks in, my twins, one in particular, began to latch really well. The other one didn't really have, um, or maybe showed more of a preference for the bottle. It was fine. It, it, it provided an opportunity for, you know, dad to feed um, with a bottle, me to uh, breastfeed one of the twins. Um, at the same time, I was still pumping, 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 but pumping to me was extremely uncomfortable, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to grin and bear it because this is, this is best, right? This is what they say is best, so I'm going to do it. Having twins, uh, the first month we had help, my mom was here and she, you know, definitely was very supportive and um, was an extra set of hands. And then when she returned home and it was just the two of us, um, I just found it extremely difficult to have a schedule where I'm caring for baby, have a complimentary schedule where I'm pumping and, you know, ensuring that I'm maintaining a milk supply and taking a nap when I can, when one sleeps and the other one's awake, and then by the time the one that's awake goes to sleep, the other one's up. Like it was, it was at times very unbearable, just extremely overwhelming. And so again, just grin and bear it, try to do as much as I can to make sure that I'm keeping my supply, not only keeping it, but growing it right because it's all supply and demand and so that i grossly underestimated that process um and i just i wasn't eating as probably as much as i should have um because i'm just like just trying to be in survival mode like i'm not trying to have like multiple feasts because i just it's just not an option so um i ended up continuing to breastfeed and pump, but my twins always, always, always had to be supplemented with formula because um, I just never had, I never produced enough milk. And um, like I said, it, it was very extremely overwhelming. And I felt at some point my supply had dipped again. It was around maybe three, three and a half months that it just became such a struggle for me. And I had also started working, and so now there was even more demands, um, just mentally, physically. And um, I decided over a series of time that I would no longer continue to pump, and my supply began to dwindle. And I exclusively at that point um, gave my baby's formula. Mm -hmm. I went through a lot of mom guilt on no longer breastfeeding and pumping and feeding my baby's milk, breast milk. Um, however, it was an extremely draining situation for me. I had so much anxiety. Like I was trying to settle in my new role as mom and that breastfeeding element drained me. In some ways I was like disappointed at myself for not being able to do what I set out to do. Um, and I felt 
guilty knowing that, you know, breast milk is amazing for the babies. And here I am opting not to do it. But I'm also clear that it was just such a draining experience. I had so much anxiety and I just didn't have, in my opinion, I just didn't have the capacity. And the moment I let go of that pressure, um, it was so freeing and it really just allowed me to, in my opinion, really settle into my role as mom and really be able to provide my kids with all of the love and attention that they needed without being consumed. Yeah, it definitely had a positive impact on my relationship with, with, my, with my twins. Yeah, thank you for sharing, Leah. Mm -hmm. You said several things that stood out to me. Once you made the decision to stop breastfeeding, right, you were able to kind of stop stressing and just release, mm -hmm. right? Ultimately, this is all about you being um, a mother to your twins, and this is all yeah. about you being able to create that bond and to um, develop that attachment with your babies. And the truth is, you can still develop mm -hmm. that bond by feeding your baby. Even if it's not breastfeeding, you can still do the skin to skin and hold your baby and have that gaze where you're looking yeah. into your baby's eyes while you're bottle feeding them. And the other great thing is you mentioned that um, dad was able to chip in and feed with the bottles as well. So that's a great opportunity for him to also be able to create and develop that bond with the babies that dads oftentimes don't get when mom is breastfeeding. And a bonus is while he's feeding a baby, you could be taking a nap. <laughs> so That's only if the other baby is. <laughs> Maybe that didn't happen. <laughs> Maybe not with twins. You have two, so no. Maybe not with twins. I take it back. So potential bonus if you have one baby at a time. I hear in your story a lot of um, a lot of things that that resonated with me, and a lot of similar feelings. You know that I noticed throughout my journey, and um, I'm sure many women can relate to that and connect to a lot of those emotions that you were feeling. The guilt. You know, if at some point you're not able to breastfeed anymore or not able to produce as much milk and you do have to start mm -hmm. supplementing. Um, I went through that myself. I want to give um, someone else a chance to share their story as well. So, Joya, I want to go to you and just hear from you. What was your your experience like with breastfeeding? Did you have goals in mind? Were you able to reach those goals? And, um, you know, what what was your unique situation like? Hmm, okay, so um, definitely had the typical goals, you know, follow the pediatric standard, whatever. Um, but like Leah mentioned, it is extremely difficult um, and each baby is different. Um, so Leah, thank you for that vulnerability and sharing your story because I speak to so many women, um, friends and um people I encounter who have similar experiences, not with twins, um, but just with the difficulty and not expecting it to be that way. Um, and yeah, so I struggled with engorgement um, the first time my milk came in. When, my, when both times when my milk came in, it, it was excruciating. Um, the very first time, if my sister, <laughs> was not there with me, y'all, they would have exploded and I would have died. <laughs> um, just flat out. Jorana, am I lying? I was in so much pain. I never even, like, you prepare so much for the birth that you don't consider 
anything like engorgement after. And I got caught nose wide open, y'all. Had no idea. I was asking Duran, do I need to go to the ER? Am I going to live? Okay. <laughs> what do I do? Um, and so she was there to really instruct and help me um, remedy it, which wasn't immediate and it was, again, extremely painful. Um, and then again, with, like I said, with my son, um, when my milk came in, I always tell the story. It was, it was insane. I was in the shower, unfortunately naked with my nurse in the shower with me and my husband in the shower. And we're all trying to hand express my boobs because new milk wouldn't come out and they were engorged and mm. red. And again, like going to explode. And I felt like either you guys can take these off of me <laughs> or I'm going to die. And, um, anyway, so not the best, um, most peaceful way to start either breastfeeding journey. So did I reach my goals, my intended goals with Ava? I did. Um, I reached one year. Um, but again, it was not easy. It was like, I don't think there was a moment when I didn't second guess like, Oh, is my milk going away? Or maybe I'm not eating enough. Or maybe I'm, I need to stop exercising or it was just so many different factors that made me, you know, worry about it. It it was, it wasn't this blissful kind of, um, relaxing experience that is normally depicted. Um, however, um, with Logan, oh, and also with Ava by, she only had two teeth when she turned one with Logan, my son started getting teeth at four months and um which is early um typically you get your first teeth between six to 12 months and um he by the time he was seven months he had six teeth mm -hmm. and um so that was an interesting experience as well you know being essentially a chew toy <laughs> and um and because he had so many teeth um he really took well to food and kind of self-weaned where it was like, a, no, give me that avocado, thanks. <laughs> um, so I believe I breastfed him till about, um, I think it was like 10 months. And then I, I supplemented with formula. Um, and I just, again, did the best I could and tried to not, you know, not stress any further about it. I think I remember I told Jaren, I was like, girl, I'm going to mm -hmm. quit. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. over it. I'm done. Um, and so, yeah, um, that was my journey, I guess, um, with both of my kids breastfeeding my goals. And Can water. I be transparent though? And Joy, I hope you're okay with me saying this because you know, one thing that kind of was touched on, but not fully is the stigma that's here. Uh, but we actually mm -hmm. both rejoiced when we talked about the fact that we're going to shortcut this breastfeeding thing, girl, like we both <laughs> and forever. Yes. So like, we're not doing this again. Well, not only that. Right. But I remember, um, I don't know how far, maybe like eight months hitting the eight month mark or nine month mark. We both were like, girl, we going to quit. <laughs> we have made it far enough, it got rough. you know? And, but I think yeah. going back to Leah's vulnerability, everything that she shared encapsulated uh what you might what what you can consider of as being factors underlying that percentage that Aaron shared earlier 
only one in five, six months later are still being breastfed, it's because A, we're not told the truth and actually prepared for breastfeeding. Even if you go to little cute classes that they offer at the hospitals, they do not tell the truth, right? They don't give a realistic picture of the tragedy and the pain and the struggle that's involved in breastfeeding. I think of breastfeeding as being sort of beauty and the beast. It's beautiful. There are moments when I looked, I looked down at my children on my breast and I felt like whole and I felt peaceful. But those moments, if I'm honest, were few and far in between, right? Between the nipple cracks and the nipple blisters and the mastitis and the infections <sighs> and just the nipple pain from them latching and latching improperly and figuring out what latch to do and the football hold and this hold and the cradle hold. Oh my God. Ooh. Right. So it's, it's, um, Ooh. you know, and sorry, I didn't mean to just jump in and hijack, but no, go ahead. I remember Joya, I remember we rejoiced, we rejoiced when we, when we decided oh, yeah. to, to, to stop. And, um, you know, each of my breastfeeding journeys were different. You know, with my first child, I was unprepared and I was given what I feel was horrible information by a nurse, not even a lactation consultant, by a nurse who took care of me after I delivered my child. And she had me using nipple shields. And from there, it just went downhill. I didn't make it three months. I got mastitis. I had to have an abscess drained. And in the hospital, the doctor's like, oh, you can still breastfeed. The devil is a liar. No, I won't. <laughs> no, I won't. Not with this hole in my boob. Like, no, I'm not doing that. And I'm having to take medications. Like, no, I'm not. No, thank you. I'm done. And I told him, I said, okay, how do I stop the milk? Okay. how? Because I'm not trying to breastfeed no more. I'm done. Right. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's just, it's just. It, it and, and there's again there's beauty in this so if you're listening I, we're not trying to scare you but we want to keep it real um mm-hmm, because you need yeah. to be prepared and have a plan you need to have those what are those things like the cold like gel pads you need to have mm-hmm. the heat cabbage pads leaves. cabbage leaves you need to have um Lanolin. bentonite clay like you need to be ready mama because it won't be easy i had to take I forget how much I took, but I took a good amount of Tylenol before I would actually have to breastfeed because the latch was excruciating. Talking about Mm. just death, like toe curling pain. And my husband would look at Mm -hmm. me like, this can't be that bad. Don't get hit in the head with the shoe. Like, (laughs) yeah, straight (laughs) up. bad. Like I'm sitting there having to like, it's like double dutch. I'm like, okay. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna latch. I'm gonna latch. And like, just like throw the baby on the boot. Cause that's how painful it was. Yes. Like, yes. You know? Speak the truth. Come Therese. on now. Speak it. Like there's no way to sugarcoat it. No. Now months, months mm. down the line for me in all mm. of my birth, you know, with all of my kids months into it, that's when you can hit the, Oh, I look down and I think you're cute until then you're a gremlin attacking my body. Like this is, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't feel good. <laughs> But then the stigma and the shame, right? And so, you know, Leah, I don't know if you experienced it too, but with my first child, when I quit breastfeeding early, you get the questions, you get the recommendations, you get the the feedback and the encouragement and, well, have you tried this and have you, I don't want to hear it because I'm done. And I've made this choice for myself and for my mental health and for my emotional health and for my relationship with my child. So good for you, Leah, for being a wonderful example of what it's like to actually shed those expectations that keep us stuck, whether it's breastfeeding or anything else in motherhood, we've got to know when it's time to call it 
And we've got to know when to stick it out. And it's only us who can make that choice. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank you, Jaren. Yes. I had yes. to preach. Yes. I'm sorry. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I did. Snap I did girl. steal the mic. I had to just preach just for a moment. <laughs> That's real, though. No, that that's is real. so real. Yes. They don't tell you about clogged ducks. Go ahead, Leah. Hey, uh, thanks, Jaren. And I really think it's important to talk about or mention boundaries. And, um, you know, especially when it comes to, like, mental health, because that that's where it was for me. Like, that's mm-hmm. the place that I arrived and was like, you know what? In order for me to be the best mom I can be, this isn't working for me mm-hmm. anymore. And I had to put that boundary in place so that when it was inquired why I'm no longer breastfeeding, right, it wasn't a I'm trying to justify, mm-hmm. right, or I'm trying to dance around a response. Rather, right. this is a decision that I've made, and this is the best decision for me. Point mm-hmm. blank, period. Nothing beyond right. that. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And so I think that's also in conjunction of just where I am in terms of mental health. And, you know, I mentioned in other episodes that you know, I go to counseling and that's something that I very much value. And I'm, I'm just in a place in my life where I just I'm not willing to compromise that for anybody. Mm-hmm. Good for you. I definitely want to make that a point in terms of just recognizing and defining those boundaries and being empowered, mm-hmm. feeling empowered to stick to it. And I think it's so important that we recognize we don't have to justify our parenting to any other person. Mm-hmm. There is no person that can come to you and say, well, why are you doing this with your child? You do not have to justify your parenting. Someone said to me one time, and I so appreciated them for saying this, you are the expert of your own family. And that's not to say that we are not all on a learning curve and on a journey and that we still have things to learn as we grow in our parenting. But that is to say that by the grace of God and with his wisdom, you are doing what, what you believe to be best for yourself and for your family. And you don't have to justify yourself to other people. Mm-hmm. And no one can come in and try to insert their opinion into the way you choose to raise your children or feed your children or any of that. So. I mean, I hear you. I hear you, Aaron, but I feel like no one should do those things, but they do. So we've got to be ready. They do. They've got to be ready. Yeah, they do. We've got to be ready to shut it down. Just like, you know, they tell you, at least for me, I was, you know, given advice on, okay, how do you stop people from touching your baby bump? Right. There are all kinds of articles on mm. that. Right. We need to be ready mm-hmm. just the same when people come in and ask questions or insert themselves or try to give you tools or tips or We've got to be ready because people do. We live in a society where for some reason we think it's perfectly okay, whether it's family or not, to step in and try to be the expert on somebody's somebody else's life and what they need to do. And whether we mean it in love or not, um, it happens and we've got to be ready. And so, yeah, they shouldn't do it, but they do. So, Mama, you got to be ready. Have your you know, we shouldn't have to justify and, 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 but at the same time, we need to have our rationale ready to go. Even if it's simply, you know, I prefer to not talk about these things with anyone other than my husband. Mm-hmm. I'm good. Yeah. Like, thank you. I appreciate the love. I can feel it, but no, thank you. Right. So you've got to be ready. Like Leah said, to put up those boundaries as assertively as you might need to, to protect your well being. Like we've got to be ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I agree 1,000% you're in. 
the best advice that I would have is stay in tune with your values, stay in tune with your emotions. And when the emotional roller coaster gets to be a little bit too much, be thoughtful about what you do to find your balance again. That's all I can, all I can really say. I want to highlight something you said, Jaren, and that was that for each of your babies, it was a different experience. Mm-hmm. With one pregnancy and delivery and baby, you could have a great old time breastfeeding. And then with the next child, it could be difficult. Don't assume because it went one way with this child and this pregnancy that it will for the next. I want to give an opportunity for us to give some tips and some pointers that women can take away and say, this is what I need to remind myself of. This is what I need to remember and keep at the forefront of my mind as I begin this breastfeeding journey. If anyone has anything they want to offer, go ahead and share that with our listeners. I actually learned of a tip recently. The girl that did my eyelashes (laughs) told me, um, if you have a clogged duct or, you know, achy nipples or perhaps an infection in your nipples, you can use a haka, a haka, which is like a milk saver. And you put Epsom salt with warm, very warm water and you let it steam your nipple. And then it essentially extracts because mm. there's a sucking mm-hmm. on the haka. It basically can extract the milk, get That's the duck brilliant. out. And this was like magical. I was like, why didn't <laughs> I know about this? Where have you been my whole, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, um, that's that's a tip that I didn't even know about, but would have been absolutely useful and utilized. This is for those working moms who are who are having to pump and all that. And, you know, I remember sometimes having to travel to go out of town for work. And it's like, oh, man, I need one more bag of milk. <laughs> you know, and it was just very stressful. And I remember my my. Um, my child's pediatrician telling me like pump pump all the time pump 10 minutes after they feed a little longer so that you can get some more milk I just remember getting all of this advice from my gynecologist and the pediatrician and it's like guys I don't have time for that like nobody I'll be fine and then I look up and next thing you know I'm back to work and I'm traveling again it's like no I need more milk (laughs) so so take that advice you know after your baby's done if you can if you have the energy you can pump for a few more minutes after and just kind of those little bits of milk actually do add up and it's worthwhile um and so that would be my advice just uh if you can get in a little bit of extra pumping time to to save that milk um it, it, it makes a difference in the back end and i will say though if you can't do that I'm not a hater of formula. So certainly there were times it's like, okay, I'm not going to have enough milk. We need to run and grab formula, right? So you have to be practical at the same time. But but if you can, get in some of those extra pump sessions and it makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Something that one of my friends reminded me of is that it's an excellent idea to have some formula in the house as a backup. Whatever your plans are, whatever your goals are, if you intend to breastfeed, strictly breastfeed for a whole year, hey, by all means, do that and do everything you can to make that happen. But have a backup because you never know what's going to happen. You never know um, if your supply is going to drop. You never know if your infant is going to have difficulty latching and you're going to have to have an alternative method um, in place. And you don't want to be 
late at night, your infant is crying, screaming his head off or her head off, and you don't have some way to feed your child. Formula is a healthy alternative, and it's a perfectly appropriate alternative if you are not able to um, breastfeed. So have some formula in the house. One other thing I wanted to recommend is just to have um, on hand access to help. If you are choosing to breastfeed, you may experience points where you need help. You may struggle, you may have difficulties. It's safe to say we all had those. So you wanna be able to have some easy access help. The La Leche League, and we can put the actual link in the description of this um, podcast or in the information um, that we attach with the episode, but La Leche League um, dot org is an excellent source or resource for moms to use and find some help if they need it. As always, stay in close contact with your providers. Um, Call if you have trouble, if you're struggling, call to get help. And um, also the hospitals usually, once you deliver, will provide you with some information to be able to contact a lactation consultant. So ask for help if you need it. So speaking of your lactation consultant, I would also, my piece of advice would be to contact if you have insurance to understand what your benefits are because I was able to have like technically unlimited lactation support within the hospital through my insurance provider. So um, that's something I didn't know until a friend of mine had said for me to check on that because they were able to, with their benefits, have a lactation consultant come to their home. Had that friend not had mentioned it, I'm not sure if it would have come to mind. So that would be my piece of advice is to make sure you understand what your benefits are so that you're not leaving that on the table. Well, thank you ladies so much for being willing to share your experiences and to be open and honest and vulnerable about what it is that you truly went through during your breastfeeding journey. What is clear to me is that we each have faced varying difficulties and barriers when it came to our breastfeeding experiences. And it's not surprising then when I look at that number of the infants that start out breastfeeding at birth, four out of five, and how it drops to one in five that are still breastfeeding by six months. It's not surprising because even within our own personal experiences, there have been so many barriers that we each faced, whether it be, you know, teeth coming in early and being used as a chew toy, Joya, or just the discomfort of engorgement, mastitis, recurrent mastitis, abscess, the anxiety and pressure that you feel, or even just the fact that for Leah, you felt like you were having difficulty being the best mom that you could to your babies simply because you were so drained and exhausted from just trying to juggle it all. And even for myself, just the sheer exhaustion of staying up every night for a year to do a power pump session just so that I could maintain my milk supply. There are so many barriers. For some moms, they may be able to surmount these barriers. For others, they may find these barriers insurmountable. And if you do struggle through your breastfeeding journey, We just don't want you to be blindsided. In addition, we want to encourage you to step away from the guilt and the shame that surrounds the idea of not breastfeeding your baby for whatever reason. So whatever end of the spectrum you land on, 
whether it be that you breastfed your baby for a year exclusively, or whether it be that you exclusively formula fed your baby from jump. Whatever the decision was that you made, and whatever the reason, you are still a good mom because ultimately, Leah said it early on in the episode, and I want to highlight that, ultimately, fed is best. Whether it be breast milk or whether it be formula, fed is best. So did you feed your baby today? Yes? Then you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Is your baby happy, healthy? Is your baby growing and developing as he should? Is your baby meeting her milestones as she should? If yes, then you are doing what you're supposed to be doing and you are a great mom. So we want you to be encouraged. We have been there. We have struggled through it. And hopefully we didn't traumatize y'all too much by our experiences, but we just want you to know that we are right here in the trenches with you, sis, and we see you and you are not alone. Do what you have to do to be the best mom that you can be for your babies and know that you are a great mom. Thank you so much to our listeners for joining us as we have discussed the ins and outs of motherhood. This was the last episode of season one of Growing in Motherhood. We are so thankful that you joined us for this journey. We invite you to stay tuned for season two, where we will have all new episodes and where we will continue to discuss not just the good stuff, but the real stuff. Until then, continue to grow. Thanks for listening to Growing in Motherhood. If you like this show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other mamas just like you find the show. We also encourage you to even tell a friend. And if you would like to connect and continue to grow with us, we invite you to follow our Instagram page at Growing in Motherhood for daily parenting insight and announcements for upcoming episodes. Until next time, bye.